guys, welcome to Roll or Die. I think we're up to episode number 14. We have the amazing Livia Giles here. Thank you so much for coming in today, Liv. Thanks for having me, guys. It's so nice to see your faces. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm going to kick yeah. us off today. I know, Anton, you normally uh, get started, but um, we've had quite a number of male guests on the show. So I said, hey, Anton, I think we need to have a female on. He said, absolutely. So I thought to myself, well, who's one of the best Australian females around? And obviously, Liv came straight to mind. So, yeah, I said, let's get Liv on. And, yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me and for the nice words. And it's, um, yeah, it's always yeah, good to so see some ladies doing yeah, um, stuff in jiu-jitsu. <laughs> Um, so that's just a exactly bit of background, right. normally Anton and I run this podcast on a Wednesday morning at about 8am and I offered that up to Liv and she was like, hell no, where's, uh, can you a little bit later please? Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess Liv's not an early bird. No, no I don't know, but I think my, um, we're, we're actually working till pretty late at night, so I'm on the computer till about 1, 1.30 in the morning, so... I sort of don't wake up till about, you know. Oh, no, no, don't apologise. So normally, yeah, the mornings are maybe with a coffee, but I just, yeah, this this is 8pm, so that's the time we're doing it here with Liv, so, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> um, how are you going with everything, Liv? How are you coping with the pandemic and the lockdown and how are you staying sane? Oh, we're pretty good. I mean, I've got lots of projects on the go and... As much as I miss training, which is I was miss training terribly, um, I'm trying to stay relatively fit, whatever that is. You know, I've got Lockie to train with, which is, and and I've got amazing mats from MA1. Um, so we do roll at home quite a bit, but it is, you know, he's a 78 kilo guy who's one of the best in the world. So it's not really realistic. He has to go super light, and everything changes. Like the technique isn't the same. Um, so it's hard for both of us, but it is better than nothing, I guess. We can do a lot of heel hooks and stuff like that. We've been uh, playing a little bit more in the gi, which is kind of fun. Uh, and besides that, I'm just, I think like as long as you have a project and you're doing something, uh, it's okay for us. It's the things that uh, we couldn't really do while we're doing all the other things when the gym is open. So it's been like some projects on the back burner for a really long time that we are like, you know, eight hours a day. We're just doing that now. So it's good. Yeah. yeah mm. So what sort of things are you doing um, at the moment, like outside jiu-jitsu to kind of stay fit? Yeah, I, I hate it all. <laughs> we, I mean, <laughs> the thing that I'm really enjoying is stretching and yoga. That's something that I've never really done. And I think flexibility is one of the things you can really improve, um, even when you don't have a training partner and your um, jiu-jitsu will improve tenfold as a result, like just with guard retention and so on. And everyone can do that. Uh, besides that, I'm doing a bit of yoga, so I've never really done it before. It's actually really hard, <laughs> uh, mm. but I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm running even with your background, even with your gymnastic background, you're still not finding it that. It's different. Like gymnastics is, I mean, yoga is very different to. It's not that different. Like it's you know, but it is the some of the positions and poses I haven't been on in for. I don't know, like 15 years or more, you know. So it is kind of like a bit of a shock to the system. I'm definitely a little bit older than when I was 18. So what my brain remembers, my body can't do anymore. Like I've got sore hips and wrists and, and things that uh, are not just a sore body. They're actually arthritic and a bit damaged now. So I have to take it a little bit differently. Um, but it's a good challenge. 
I've been running just to like do some cardio and I hate it. Like I've been able to do like Me too, on both fronts. Yep. Yeah, I'm super slow. My heart rate goes like to 180 the entire 6K run. It's not even a run, it's a jog. Like, yeah, no, mine's a shuffle, not even, uh, neither. Yeah. I tore yeah. my calves just jogging like in the first week, like jogging. Shock to the system, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I do it because it makes me, it kind of sets the day for me, you know. Um, and then I've been back on the bike. I was a cyclist yeah. for, for years before I started jiu-jitsu just to break yeah. up the running. And it's, yeah. I actually really enjoy it. But problem with cycling is, like you can just go for a 30 minute run and you get like a lot of sort of cardio benefit from it. Yeah, and yeah. you do that with cycling too, but you have to go for more like an hour, an hour and a half or yeah, two hour yeah. rides to, to get the same yeah. benefit. So yeah, it's yeah. just really time consuming. Right. Uh, what else? I've been lifting as much as I can. Um, yeah. Trying to get a little bit strong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's about it. Yeah. That's yeah. Actually, you mentioned, you mentioned your arthritic um, body basically, which I totally yeah. relate to. I've noticed other things in my body now as a result of taking time off. And do you think when we get back to being able to train in the gym with others, are you going to adapt or modify what you're doing, or is it just back to the old way for you? You know, is there anything that's shifted, or, or you you um, you now that you've realised that you're going to alter? Um, I don't think so. I mean, like if I could train more, I would. Um, but the, like, I don't have enough training partners or access to a proper, like we don't have space here um in saying that i probably i do overtrain quite a bit um and it's hard not to when you have goals like worlds or adcc um and and just the pressure i put my on myself to perform mm. um so i do like probably for the first time in about i don't know 20 years I feel recovered like I actually have energy at this time of the night like I just went grocery shopping before and I was sitting in the car going like I sometimes can't get out of the car after training because I'm too tired and I just want to cry like putting pants on after after training before work so uh, I actually have like energy to do a little dance at night and it's (laughs) odd um yeah, I, like I miss being sore and tired every day, but at the same time, um, what I've also noticed is that my brain works a lot better when I'm not exhausted. Yeah. So, uh, what you know, what I do cover with Lockie, like during our little training sessions, I actually constant retain information a lot better yeah. and pick up little bits and pieces. Yeah, um, so I'll try to train at less intensity or maybe less often. Well, I just love it so much that it's very hard to do. While I can, you know, like I have, I've got the luxury of being able to roll twice a day or more if I want to, and not everyone has that luxury. So I just really love it. And it's really hard not to do it, which even though it's not great. Yeah, but I'll definitely roll at lower intensities, more flow rolls and less um, comp rolls. Okay, I got it. Yeah. um, All things being the same, like if things we head into 2021 and the comp seasons, back up on track. Um, Liv, have you got any goals for the next sort of year? Have you sort of looked that far ahead? What's what's your sort of schedule? You think? It's hard to say because it's, I mean, I can say the things I want to do, but the situation is changing, you know, pretty much every week. So uh, before COVID isolation thing happened, I really wanted to do World Pro this year um, and give it a go at 55 kilos rather than 49 and see how I go. And then obviously I wanted to do no gear, uh, sorry, gear worlds as well. It's like one of the things that's still haunting me a little bit um, mm-hmm. 
the medal at black belt in the gi worlds and i've missed out by advantage like twice so it's something i really want to achieve and if i don't get to do it that's okay um and apart from that uh, i guess no gi worlds at the end of the year and then it's um prep for adcc so adcc is definitely definitely something i want to do again the trials are not till probably this time next year anyway so that prep never stops but um, that's that's still a really big goal of mine to do it again. Anton, did you want to jump in? I know you had a yeah, question along those lines. You, know, you were talking about you know what you can and can't do right now, and I kind of I can't get what happened between Craig Jones and Vinny Magalhesh out of my mind. You know what I mean? Like, and not because it's bad or anything, just because it's such a kind of a dramatic circumstance, and I. Obviously, you're really close to Craig Jones. So what's, what are your thoughts about all of that? Because I don't even know how he got to compete under these circumstances, let alone, and so how that was in his future, and then he competed, and then it was just the event that it was. Can we go there? Can we talk about that? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I probably don't know much more than you do. Uh, like, I don't, uh, you know, I, I'm friends with Craig, but I can't say we chat every day or anything like that. Uh, for some reason... Uh, Chal got an exemption to run the comp without an audience. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure about the rules and regulations in the US, but obviously um, they could do it legally. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure how they're training or who's training where, with whom. Um, I've got no idea. Obviously, people are training. Um, in terms of the fight, I think <laughs> like leg locks work and you've got to tap. That's all i got to say. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, with heel hooks, and it's been spoken about a lot, but I guess with heel hooks, it's a rotational pressure to the knee or the ankle. Um, often you'll feel no pain uh, because the, the ligaments sort of tighten. Obviously, Vinny is amazing and he's extremely flexible. Um, and I think, I, I'm not sure that he tore his ligaments. I'm pretty sure he hasn't gotten an MRI yet, but there was a fracture to his fibula. Um, and sometimes it, it can happen that when you're extremely flexible, um, the the force actually can go through the bone rather than the ligaments. So something does break if you do if you have the light, right leverage and you do the technique correctly. So uh, just because something doesn't hurt and you've never tapped to it before, I, I don't know. To me, that's just a silly idea. I value my my life and not my life, my longevity in the sport a lot more than you know. You're already damaged, like. You're, you're gonna lose. There's no way you can lose just to prove a point that leg logs don't work. I personally think it's silly, but each to the room. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't take away from Vinny. Just like you know, Craig is obviously very, very good at at what he does, and um, and he got it to work, which is really cool. Absolutely. You, um, can you say anything about like the culture of the club? Like, I guess. You and Lockie are known for building probably one of the best cultures of a club in Australia. Um, and you guys took it over from, like, it was already sort of a gym that was going and whatever. And, um, yeah, between us, especially as a chick, it was a little bit challenging going into a space like that. Uh, it was a little bit of a bro club. It, it felt a little bit uncomfortable. Can you talk it all around sort of the culture and especially around the women's culture and how you managed to build that within absolute 
Yeah, um, well, not just me for sure. Like there's people like yourself, Kim, and and like Marianne and all the sort of pioneers, you know. Um, and also, uh, I should say the guys as well. So like we've got like Lockie and Thiago and and Simon and Dan Herbertson, who are also the the leaders in a club. Um, I think when I first started, and and just like most women, you know, ten years ago, there was hardly anyone at the club. When we took over so like kit used to coach at infinity and um we took over that club just because it wasn't doing so well financially we just came back from brazil and and traveling the world and training and i think we're uh, probably over the years we've been to about 60 academies around the world and um i've definitely noticed that where they had a lot of women training and a lot of high level women um, they had space for women. So they had things like, you know, good change rooms and they had women in leadership roles and they had um, the men like really respecting their female team. Everyone was training with everyone. They weren't treated differently. You know, some clubs were like, oh, you're a girl, you don't have to roll, you can sit on the side or just things like that. So I think it gave us, gave us really good ideas in how to promote the sport because, I mean, in the end, I think jujitsu is one of those things that, a lot of women won't be drawn to it or interested uh, because it's very close body contact. It's, it is fighting essentially, you know, uh, and a lot of women and men won't like it. So there's already reduced um, capacity for women to train. But also I think like women should train because it's amazing for self-defense. Like, so it's one of those things that we actually need to do it. And I think there's, um, like we owe it to society to promote it because I think it's really useful. Not not just self-defense, but like knowing how to hold yourself and, and learn a skill and and um, like get stronger and, and fitter and so on. So it feels good about yourself too. Like I think a lot of society talks to women's looks or appearance and stuff like that. And I felt for me anyway, like jiu-jitsu just gave you that feeling of capability that it wasn't just about how you looked or how you were seen as an external like it was more what your body was capable of doing like physically like yeah you're right like the endorphins and everything like i feel my best when i'm training and i look my absolute worst so you know and (laughs) you go through like yeah i mean like some people manage to look amazing i don't and i don't care it's it's really cool (laughs) it's just the last thing i'm going to think about What's that? For me as a man training with women, I remember when I first started, my view of if you're really close to a a woman or a man, it's automatically got some sort of connotation. But like one of the things I've really discovered through my journey as well, I'm sure a lot of women discover it, is it kind of desensitizes a lot of the a lot of the personal space issues that people have. So over time, you know, you can obviously you can make something intimate or not, but Jiu-jitsu has really helped me separate that and go, no, contact doesn't mean intimacy. And, and I know that seems weird to admit, but that's actually how I was before I started jiu-jitsu. Yeah, I, I think it's the intent, you know, like, so the, you, you know a creeper from when you first, and with men and with women, you know, it's not only men that are the aggressors, there's no. the creepy women out there too. That yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So but in society, we know, you know, you don't go through society kind of getting that close to people generally. This sport is is quite what you need in that way i think you know very yeah i mean like i don't know that it's necessary to do that in your life but it definitely can break a few uh you know for me it was getting over claustrophobia and so on but let's go back to the culture at absolute because i think it's really important so i've just abducted your your interview because it was a great question um 
And I think a lot of other clubs can learn from it and we can definitely do it better as well. But I think um, having, you know, the girls that are higher belts from my experience anyway, are extremely um, nice and kind and giving with the time. So I, I really dislike the word like alpha female, but you know, Kim is a black belt and I don't get the impression she's better than anyone else, uh, not in jiu-jitsu, but like as a person on the mats, you know, like, um, and I, I pass it. no, no, no. Like I tried to pass that on as well. Marianne is the same. She's super yeah. like, uh, you can approach at any time. There's like yeah. April who, who runs yeah. the girls classes and, and he's, she's again, super approachable and nice. And no one thinks that they're better or like above anyone else. And that, that goes yeah. the same with our male coaching staff. So I think, cause I, a lot of clubs you go to, some girls don't want to roll with other girls because it's a competition, you know, like mm-hmm. often when you roll with guys, it, it's not real. Like they have to go well, lighter. Chauvinistic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then with girls, it's real. Like we fight, we fight each other. Yeah. So when you lose, you actually lose or whatever yes. that. Means. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think like just rolling with everyone and having the culture that like the winning doesn't matter. We're actually all just learning yeah. and having fun. Um, mm. Yeah. What, I think, what else? I think, yeah. Having coloured belt women around oh, is huge. Sure. I mean, as a new chick, if you come in like a beginner to a club, and there's a purple belt woman and a brown belt woman at the club who have persevered for five or six plus years, then you think, well, yeah, maybe I will come back next week or I will come back because they've done it. Exactly. And we're different different ages, different sizes as well, which is really important. Like when I first started, I think Marianne has just won Blue Belt Worlds and I was like, oh, my God, a Blue Belt. Yeah, I know. I remember (laughs) that. Yeah. It was like, oh, look, there's someone who's got a coloured belt, whereas... There's yeah. like thirty something black belt women in Australia now. Like it's yeah, huge. and I think like at St Kilda anyway, there's less white belts than coloured belt women. So, yeah. Um, another really important thing that um, helps is having women in leadership position. Yeah. So, um, I get asked this question a lot, and it's like, how, how is your women's program? How is your kids' program? Like, and that's going really well as yeah. well, which is. Uh, I look after the women's and the kids program at St Kilda, uh, but I teach normal classes, you know, I teach men as well. And I've never had a complaint to my face anyway. Um, <laughs> we have Hope, like at St Kilda, she's a black belt and she teaches the classes as well. And people love her style and her, uh, her teaching. So um, it's, it's become the norm. Like other girls start and they go, Oh, okay. There's women teaching men and that's normal. It's not like, Oh my God, there's a, female black belt teaching. It's just normal. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And even like me being a part owner of, of St Kilda, I think is important, you know, like I'm not like, oh, I am Lockie's wife, but it's not like I didn't just come along. Like I'm a big yeah. part of this. And I think, uh, I think that just sets the, the culture right. So I don't know, we're learning and we're doing stuff differently all the time, you know, with men and women uh, trying to like marry the competition team with our, our recreational guys. I think a lot of people think that St Kilda is just about competitors, but that's just a small percentage. Um, there's like at any other academy, there's heaps of people just training. So, yeah, there's there's a lot to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah interesting oh, I would say that the culture of St Kilda was like, was a creation of high level competitors. That's how I, even I see it and I'm part of the club. So, you know, it's great to know that there are you know, like lots of people with all sorts of different intentions training at St Kilda. But what yeah, do you think? Yeah. 
Yeah, what do you think is the secret to the culture, though, of, of creating such a successful competition team? Because that is interesting as well. Like, how have you guys been so successful in churning out amazing competitors? What's that? How did you do that? We have been lucky enough to um, attract quite a few people coming from elsewhere to, to further develop their jiu-jitsu, interstate and international. Um, so having exposure to different games really helps. And that's two things, people uh, coming from other places and also, especially Lockie as the head coach, really encouraging self-directed learning and researching your own stuff, you know, uh, learning your own stuff, drilling your own stuff. We are quite individual, oh, sorry, the approach to training, we really encourage individual approach. So like uh, for me, before ADCC, I would do the fundamental classes just because I enjoy it, but that wasn't applicable to my goals. So for our competitors, every month we encourage them to go through a process, just writing down your goals, say for the year. So let, let's just pick one, for example, you know, uh, medal at ADCC and then work backwards. So what would it take? For me to do that um, so I know I need good leg locks I know I need good takedowns and wrestling I know I need good back takes and I need good um, scrambles or whatever it might be like pick four positions that you want to or four or five different things that will help and then every month we change the position so for example I need a good outside head single single leg takedown so I'm not just working a single leg takedown I'm going to work first month. It might be I work and drill and specific train, just my entry. Then I move on to, you know, once I've got the leg, how do I get them to the ground? And finally I would work from the ground to scramble, to escape and actually consolidate the position. So every position gets broken down into a lot of different things. Um, and every person has their own separate individual positions, the working and drilling. So right. before you come to training, you already know in your head the four positions you're going to work. And of course, like not everyone is as diligent with it as they should be, because a lot of the times we're finding, you know, people go, oh, I want to win ADCC trials and I'm going to wrestle. But if you don't write it down after about a week, you realize it's really hard and you stop doing it, you know, and suddenly the trials are a month away and you haven't addressed it. So we're trying to be a little bit better with that. Um, That's great. Yeah, I mean, like, um, and of course, like for people who are not as well prepared, uh, Loki will set the positions for the training session as well so that everyone benefits. What else? I don't know. I think everyone's just competitive, but also really encouraging. That's what I find. Um, everyone sort of trains together. We've gotten to a point where most of the competitors get along really well. So the team feel is really good, um, which takes work as well, because obviously everyone's kind of highly strung. There's, you know, interpersonal relationships happening. And um, as coaches, we have to look into that and mediate that as well sometimes. So it's a really good like feel at the moment where we muck around a lot. We, you know, we joke around a lot, but we also train really hard. Yeah, awesome. Uh, That's uh, it's probably a good place to wrap it up, you reckon, Anton? It's, um, well, yeah, I have one more question. Go for it, Anton. Yeah. Did Young come up with the name Jits and Tiff? Or is that something who can, that has to be Young? Of course it was Young, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it was literally just Young came up with it. And it was like jugs and hugs, Jits and Tits. And um, we kind of liked it because a lot of people were offended by it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love it. It just, so it's catchy and it's stuck and I don't even think about it. I actually, um, we got like Jits and Tits patches that um, the proceeds went to breast cancer research. 
but okay. I, because it's a word, like I didn't know if tit is an offensive word or not. I've got no idea. So we made patches and I asked the head referee. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I should be saying this, but I will. Um, when I was at Asian Open, I was like, is this, is this allowed? Like, is this offensive? And he's like, I don't know what it means. And I was like, <laughs> it means a breast. <laughs> breast. And he was like, oh, I like breasts. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Jesus. And so he was like, I don't find it offensive, but someone in the audience might, so you should hide it. So then we just did a like J and T instead. Yeah. So right. I love it. Awesome. It's so catchy. Awesome. It's so awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lynn, for <laughs> joining us. us, guys. Yeah, we've sort of set the bar quite high now in terms of guests. So we're going to have to keep on with having high level guests. So yeah, thank you so much again. And can't, for, can't wait till you uh, choke me out again in real life. Whatever. I can't wait to roll. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. See you guys. Bye. 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 Bye.